Yeah, no, I'm lucky that my computer even runs this podcast, let alone a game. Hello and welcome everybody to level two of the Geekscape Games podcast. This is the vanishing of Drive Club Isolation. Um, I am Shane O'Hare and with me we have... Uh, Last time I checked my name was still Derek. Um, The state of California still recognizes me as Juan. (laughs) And my parole officer still addresses me as Josh Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. And we are the the host of your favorite podcast now. Um, This is episode two. Um, We had some great feedback. We appreciate everybody listening and commenting. So... um, you guys want to bring anything up from last week that we want to talk about? Maybe a little Monster Hunter Mega Man thing there, Josh? Oh, yeah. Last week, how I was complaining and whining about how Mega Man wasn't in it. And then, lo and behold, uh, like a day or two later, they revealed the Mega Man costumes for uh, Monster Hunter. So, I'm running out of things to complain about. <laughs> but Now, what, um, um, what did... Uh, what? Now, I'm, I'm kind of confused because you, you, you can have felines now in this one. I come with you on hunts. And there's a different um, armor for your character. What specifically was the Mega Man armor, and what was what character was it for? Um, it's for one of the felines, as far as they've said, or as far as they've shown. Um, they haven't shown any actual armor for the hunters themselves, but uh, in regards to the um, to the actual costumes, yeah, it doesn't seem like you're going to actually be able to play with them, but. It's better than nothing, at least. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, know, I was excited for it. I just thought it was really funny when it came up. I literally was like, wow, Josh is eating his words. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, leave it to oh. Capcom to give you Mega Man, but not let you play with it. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, that's maybe that's just the absolute bare minimum. It's like, ah, you know what? We'll give it to him, but you can't touch it. There's going to be a game where your character gets to get a Mega Man game, but you will never get that opportunity in real life. <laughs> that's the only thing that's missing here. So you, your character in Monster Hunter can play Mega Man, but <laughs> it just doesn't work. Nope. That sounds like that sounds like Capcom. Um so yeah. let's Well they might make it a microtransaction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it it'll actually Mega Man will be on the cartridge, but you have to pay an additional fifty dollars to unlock it. There you go. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, kicking off uh, this week, uh, there was a very interesting, uh, I guess, shot shot over the bow from the folks over at Bioware, over at uh, attacking Ubisoft. They announced that Dragon Age Inquisition um, is going to be released at 1080p on the PlayStation 4 and 900p on the Xbox One. Um, one of the devs was quoted as saying. They've, um, let's get the quote exactly what we have. We maximize the current potential for each platform. Um, and it, uh, the, the Windows version is going to have a pretty big uh, uh, requirement for video cards, pretty much um, in parity with Shadows of Mordor, uh, suggesting 8 gigabytes of video RAM, which is a lot wow. for a consumer computer right now. Um, but it... it after we recorded, there was an interesting quote from um, someone at Ubisoft that I felt like it it was just more of their really shitty damage control. Like when they they said that they 
um, in regards to the female character in Assassin's Creed, you know, they didn't have time or money to develop the character. But the quote um, they said was, 30 frames a second was always our goal. It feels more cinematic. 60 is really good for a shooter uh, or an action adventure, not so much. It actually feels better for people when it's at 30 frames a second lock. Um, what do you What do you guys think about that? I feel like that's a PR guy that hopefully doesn't have a job anymore because that was one of the worst things I've ever read. <laughs> like, I I feel, I almost feel like 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 it's it's getting into the whole. Everyone's always though this this is only 900p on Xbox One and 1080p on PS4. Way more than I noticed though it's those extra like 280 lines of pixels. Way more than I noticed that I noticed the frame rate like the big the much a much bigger jump is looking at if i look at a game in 30 frames per second for instance mario kart 8 is a great example of that because if i'm playing four player multiplayer sorry three or four player multiplayer it dips down to 30 frames a second whereas one and two players is total 60 frames the 60 frames per second bump is much more noticeable than a resolution bump in my opinion and 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 like purposely handicapping your game um like make it dynamic make it between 30 and 60 there's a huge bump but if you could like lock it at 45 or something or make it dynamic um and just make sure it doesn't dip below 30 frames a second would be better than locking it i just i think ubisoft really needs to reevaluate their their pr approaches uh because when unity was initially leaked uh earlier this year it was you know and that might have been there's speculation that it was a purpose leak but some guy on neogaf said i was on a plane with a next to a guy that said, "Hey, you like video games? Work for Ubisoft. Check out this," and pretty much showed him Unity and so much detail about it. Yeah, some pretty pretty like it was practically their entire E3 um, press release. So I don't know. I I haven't played at least I don't know what's the what's the FPS uh, for Destiny on the PlayStation Four? Destiny, Is that locked it's at thirty? 30. Yeah, they're locked at thirty. Yeah, I um I haven't played. Uh, any 60 frames per second console games and I, you know I've been playing you know PC games that can go up to you know 128 frames a second like on Counter-Strike Source or even Global Offensive if you know you got a beefy card so I don't I don't see a difference I, th- I um, feel like I definitely from... notice I definitely notice a difference between 30 and 60 anything above 60 is I'm not really seeing much difference but the 30 to 60 jump is pretty huge but yeah, no, I feel to like 60. these, you know, like Ubisoft saying thirty was their goal and and blah blah blah. It's not that thirty was their goal; they just couldn't get anything above that, which is fine. But just don't bullshit about it. Yeah, no, it's just a bunch of PR bullshit again. Because at this point, there's no way that they would just aim for thirty on purpose. And the whole making it more cinematic thing is just ridiculous. That it kind of contradicts everything they're saying about how we're going to release games on the Xbox One and PS4. And we'll wait on Wii U because those are next-gen consoles that we're going to put 30 frames per second on. Yeah, it's it's uh, they. It sounds like they have two different PR departments making completely um, independent releases from each other, and then having to backpedal and fix it post. Which is I, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it comes out. Um, I'm really hyped for Unity. the The four player co op is what sold me on it. Um, I've never played an Assassin's Creed game I didn't like. So at, at the end of the day, it's not going to personally for me affect my purchase if it's not 60 frames a second. Um, but I'm sure there's definitely a lot of people out there that <clears throat> are going to be pissed about it. I'm guessing you never played Bloodlines? Uh, I did not. Okay. It's probably better off then. 
one one thing that I just wanted to add too is I just think that it's really funny that we're still talking about you know 1080p versus 720p and 30 frames per second versus 60 when I think a big selling point of the PS3 when they first announced it is that it was supposed to be 1080p and a whole yeah. console generation later eight years later we're still not at a point where it's consistent and we're still selling 1080p as a reason to buy the consoles when that was supposed to be eight years ago yeah and it was it was really interesting that um, they're locking this at 900 when Assassin's Creed 4 the PS4 edition it came out at um, 900 but they patched it up to 1080 and it's the same engine there's not a whole hell of a lot different going on so why why the sudden drop is it i think it's i honestly think it's because the xbox one it hasn't hit its full potential yet the developers haven't you know learned all the quirks about it and they're and ubisoft just wants to have like a homogenous release over all all platforms well, when it's still think, so it's still so early in all these generations that well, like like they said on Dragon Age, we've hit the current limits of the hardware. The current limits are, are something that are always changing because they're always learning more and more about these systems. And, and I get that it's different this generation because they are x86-based rather than PowerPC-based and everything like that. But, I mean, there's still, there's still so much, you know, that they don't know about the consoles that... Well, like, just look at every, every single generation ever going from a launch game to an end-of-life game, like... They're pretty stark differences, and you're already seeing that starting to happen. Yeah, but. no, it's it's it's. I, I mean, if you look at Halo, Halo Three compared to Halo Four, there's a dramatic jump in in quality, and that's you know a, a fairly early on life cycle game to end of life. Up uh, and oh, it sounds like we lost Derek. Are you guys still there? I'm, I'm here. here. Okay, all right. Well, Derek will join back in. Um, he gets Ub- Ubisoft PR. Up. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, that's what happens. They'll they'll get you. Uh, so moving on back to I guess more system requirements and everything. Um, Shadows of Mordor released their HD pack um, and updated their system requirements for the PC, um, saying that you need to have at least a uh, seventy nine seventy uh, AMD card or a GTX six seventy uh, Nvidia card with. Um, uh, six to eight gigabytes of video RAM, which is huge. Wow! And but and the the PC version is apparently super buggy compared to the console version. Just there's just egregious bugs everywhere. Um, so I I don't know. It, it's it's interesting. I don't. I have a uh, a two ninety X that I got brand new that um I think is three or four gigabytes of memory. So I I don't I don't know what what their their goal is with having these huge giant high quality um requirements on these pc releases um do you guys are you guys heavy pc players not at all Mm. Mm. same here i Mm. i I wish that i was i don't know i bought a console because i didn't want to have to worry about graphics card and can my you know can my computer run this and you know the fact that i was able to get an xbox and a ps4 for arguably what a good gaming pc would cost and every like i i go through periods every six months where i'm like i should build a gaming pc but i also don't have the room for one like you know i i, I have a big tv and i have consoles hooked up to it i don't have the money to go get a desk and go get a monitor and everything like that too which is why maybe when the steam boxes happen and when they get really good support i'll totally look at that again but i don't see myself getting just a dedicated no. gaming computer anytime soon yeah but- if you knew what i paid for my video card you would you would kill yourself. Yeah, and I mean, I do play like I play, I play games on my 
on my laptop. Like, my laptop's pretty powerful, so I do play, you know, some stuff on there. But it's mostly older stuff that I just can play co-op with friends and LAN party stuff and, and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. But, but. The I, 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 Go ahead, Juan. Oh, I was just going to say, I the last... T- I had a PC back in... I got for gaming back in 1999 solely because I wanted to play the Star Wars Episode One pod pod racing game, <laughs> and I got the control like the flight yoke for it. I bought Star Wars uh, X Wing versus Tie Fighter. It was awesome. I still love that damn game, and uh, it just to me it's it's really expensive to keep up with all that PC stuff. It seems the minute I get it updated to play a game, I have to spend even more money to play this other game. Like I'm buying a console for each game that i want to play for it yeah and that's that's kind of the the big you know problem you're running into with uh pc gaming is that you're constantly chasing this um you know ever expanding curve but it it depends what what i personally do is i buy the absolute highest every couple of release cycles so my last video card was one that I, i got in like 2009 2010 and i was able to play you know, the only time that I upgraded is when Battlefield 4 came out and I couldn't play it at Ultra. And I was like, all right, now it's time to upgrade. So that was that was the cost. But that's neither here nor there. That's that's a conversation for a different episode, different podcast altogether. Because, you know, the PC Master Race does not kowtow to you filthy <laughs> console pe- peasants. Right. Yeah, no, I'm lucky that my computer even runs this podcast, let alone a game. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, speaking of... Uh, the new curve playstation tv is out now i was kind of i was excited for it but um i've heard a lot of people complaining that it doesn't even work for streaming games locally um whereas the veto you could do it from off-site uh has anybody else picked one up or read anything on it because i'm pretty i'm pretty ignorant on the whole the whole release like i had no idea it was coming out today until i read it popping up on facebook and everything um, I mean, it sounds interesting to an extent because, you know, you'll be able to play your Vita games on the TV, you'll be able to have, well, supposedly, from what they're saying, you're supposed to have more streaming capabilities, but, I mean, reading up on it, it doesn't run very, it doesn't run a lot of the key Vita titles yet, um, like Hulu and Netflix aren't available for it yet, and, mm. I mean, to me, you might as well just drop the extra $100 and buy a real Vita and be able to take it with you instead of having like a gimped version for well granted it's half the price but it doesn't do a lot as as far as the stage that it's at right now now does the vita doesn't the vita have uh av out where you could hook it up to a tv or is it completely enclosed to my knowledge i think they removed it i think the psp had it and then the vita didn't mm. and correct me if i'm know, wrong uh, derek but. derek you were pretty excited about the playstation tv what, what are you thinking about it uh, I wasn't that excited for it. I think it's a decent. It's it's like the you main. You call me a liar. The, you say that I'm a liar. The main purpose that I can really see for it, because well, again, as as Josh said, most of the Vita's core games aren't really applicable on it because they utilize the touchscreens, which are obviously something you can't use with the Vita TV. Um, the biggest thing is like the remote play, like the fact that I, you know, if I have a PS4 in my living room. 
you know, a lot of people have TVs in, in their living rooms and their bedrooms. So if I have a TV in my living room, I can put a PlayStation TV in my bedroom and still be able to play my PlayStation 4. And it is more limited. It's I think it's 720p only, and I think it's uh, limited to 30 frames a second, which clearly isn't a problem based on what we've just been talking about. But, um, you know, it's just a, it's an inexpensive way to stop me from having to either buy another PS4 or constantly, like, unplug and, and move my PS4 to another room if I want to play it. And um, is PlayStation Now available on it? Yep. Yeah, the PlayStation Now, be- which is still in beta, but PlayStation Now is also uh, on the hmm. uh, the play- PlayStation TV. Well, well, it'll be exciting to see where it goes. I um, It's, it's going to go nowhere, honestly. The fact that like we're gamers and Josh didn't even know it was available today, like like they're not marketing it. They're not... You know, it's it's gonna disappear. It's not even doing well in like Japan or anything like that. It's and it was it was a huge news uh, news release in in Japan. They made I a mean, huge that's... deal out of it, yeah. And it was not it was not overly successful. So I'm it's gonna be it's gonna be the same thing over here. I mean, I I mean, I have a, a Chromecast that I watch TV on, and I have my PlayStation in the living room. So I don't. It's it's not for me. I I don't think it's gonna be for the majority of gamers out there. Yeah, and with his I mean, little, and with his little, is it is it really that big of a deal to just pick up your PlayStation and move it into the bedroom? Totally, I is mean, a big deal. <laughs> First world problems. Oh. Wow. All right. Well, we know that how picky you guys are. Oh yeah. Um. Well, uh, moving on from there. Uh, in our show notes, I have in all caps right here. Fuck yeah, Clementine action figure. <laughs> and it sounds like uh, Mr. Derek here is pretty hyped for what I have to personally say is a terrible looking action figure. Why are you so excited for this? Because it looks absolutely uh, awful. First of all, the action figure looks great. Um, is that my first point. Second point, Clementine is probably one of the best video game characters uh, ever, if not in the last decade. Um, and again it's it's just it's crazy to me that there's so many people like like i get asked all the time like hey what's like what's like your favorite game of the last few years or whatever and like pretty it's pretty much like when i think of memorable games of the last few years like the the first season of the walking dead game is is by far number one and clement you know a big part of that is clementine and her character and and the growth that her character sees over it you know she kind of she goes from a scared little girl in the first episode to at the end of this, the second season, she's a total badass, basically, but still a child. Um, so I'm down for yeah. an action figure. It's from McFarland Toys. It's going to be rad. It's coming in two variants. You've got like a clean version and you've got like an, a version that's all bloodied up, um, which is cool. And they just announced it at New York Comic Con last weekend. So there's no pricing or release info yet. But I'm not a big toy guy, but I can't wait to put it on my shelf. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It. it... Looking at uh, Josh uh, and Juan, have you had a chance to take a look at the, the pictures of it? Oh yeah, it looks like at it. like Frank Miller's Dora the Explorer. Yeah, it it looks like someone cosplaying as as Clementine. I think I mean they could have done a whole lot better with with the cast. And I mean they make good high quality toys. Not to bash on its durability or posability, but it just doesn't look like her it's seriously like someone cosplaying as her and just give her a hammer and a gun so i don't see the hype i don't see the hype that is a mighty realistic looking hammer though it is that's <laughs> well that's... the toy the i feel like the figure is also it's more of a realistic portrayal whereas the game of course it's very angular and and all self yeah. and stuff like that it's 
they they definitely didn't trans translate that into the toy. Um, it, but it totally looks like her, just not a cell shaded video game version of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would probably be hard to translate into a figure, so it could probably give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt for that. Yeah, I don't know. I just knowing and seeing some of like the McFarlane toys past work, I feel like they could have done a whole lot better. It could still be a prototype as well. You think? I don't know. They that they didn't have a lot to say about it. They couldn't tell us when it was coming out. So I feel like if it was really close to being out, they would have said so. Hmm. I don't know. I I I only played the first episode of season one. I'm waiting for the the two seasons to come out on the PlayStation Four, which is later uh, this month. Later this month, and I want to play it with my girlfriend because um i feel like a super narrative driven game it's it's a phenomenal i know jonathan like jonathan like laura would get mad if jonathan like played the new episode without without her because it was it is it's like it well it's like a really gripping episode of television except you are you know what happens in the episode is in direct correlation with the choices that you make and so it's it's a great couples game because it is like it's just a way to experience this amazing story and and like jonathan said and i totally agree like the game is the best version of the walking dead i read the comics monthly i watch the show which had a phenomenal premiere last week and if i if someone was like you can only ever experience the walking dead in one way the game is by far the best way to do it i even have like like i even got some of my like old co-workers at my previous job who like never really played video games before like but were big fans of the show like playing this game on their iphone like through through to its completion really yeah so it, it's i mean it's it's obviously a good game and it's a good story it messes and with I, you man it's it's an emotion you get really attached to these characters and you feel you you feel responsible for it because because the choices that you make sometimes are life or death decisions yeah and i had I had season one spoiled to me a few weeks ago. I am so fucking pissed at Reddit. As much like, as as much as you feel like you may be spoiled, there's so many other big things yeah. that happen though that you don't know about that are gonna fuck you up just as much. Yeah, but I don't know. I because I played the first episode and I was engrossed with the characters that were there, and I had a pretty big season one spoiler. So yeah, blah, blah, blah. that's my own that's my own thing. I'm definitely gonna pass over this action figure. Sounds like Derek is gonna pre-order it right away. So. And I don't even like toys. Wow, what the fuck? You don't like toys? You don't... Uh, are you, You're you on the wrong podcast, man. Didn't we establish that last week? Yeah. Can you say one? I, I'm just thinking... I'm looking at this toy. I I know there's going to be plenty of people that are going to be excited to get it. Um, if I, I'm just thinking about Amiibos and how they're going to just destroy my bank account. Didn't they yeah. already destroy? Oh no, because they you don't get charged until they ship, right? So, right. <laughs> so yeah, I already have my money set aside for that two hundred dollar um, vice statue <laughs> from Skies of Arcadia. So that's pretty much my toy budget. Wait, so what's 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 this coming out? Two hundred dollar me? Oh no, it's a it's a statue of Vice from Skies of Arcadia from the Dreamcast. Oh no, I played that on the GameCube. That was it was a GameCube game. I don't know what you're talking oh, about. Oh yeah, I played it on GameCube too, <laughs> but apparently I missed out on a lot of good extra stuff that was only on the dreamcast but whatever it's a gamecube game as far as i'm concerned yeah all right well uh we are almost at the halfway point so uh josh uh you have the floor tell us all about the new um stuff coming out for wwe 2k15 and sakurai's uh very controversial response to his criticism right 
So, I mean, first of all, uh, for any wrestling fans out there, um, as you know, WWE 2K15, even though it's the second game by under 2K's banner since THQ went out of business, this is the first one that they're fully developing and taking charge of. So one of the things that they're adding to the game that hasn't really been in the previous one is uh, to have the wrestlers curate the soundtrack. So this time they're actually getting John Cena and Wiz Khalifa to collaborate and put the soundtrack together in addition to getting John Cena to record two more exclusive tracks and dusting off his old rap career, if you could call it that, that he had about 10 years ago. So those tracks, I don't know if you guys listened to them, but those tracks have already hit the internet. Um, just kind of oh, no. bringing him back into the swing of things. So, I mean, I was a shameless owner of the first John, or the only John Cena album. Um, <laughs> and it definitely brings me back to 2005. I mean, even though, honestly, objectively, it's not that good, but anything that'll yes, take me back to a time where John Cena was like a badass white rapper <laughs> instead amazing. of whatever he is now. So, Yeah, I... Um reading about this story and not being completely aware that John Cena had a rap care uh, career, I was reminded of Bruce Willis's pop record, uh, The Return of Bruno. Oh, God. <laughs> so I went and dug that up and like cruised that for a little bit and was, I don't know, it made me want to go watch Hudson Hawk, which is um, I think everybody, if you're a big Bruce Willis fan, check that movie out. It's Bruce Willis plays a thief and it's a musical. Oh my god, that sounds so, awesome. Really? Yeah, and he like sings through all of his heists, and they even had an NES game that was completely... Oh, I do. That's where I've seen that title, is the NES game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, too, because so, um, wrestlers aren't... It's like Macho Man had a rap album sometime in the 90s, and I think Hulk Hogan... I found a Hulk Hogan CD at the 99 cent store once. So... <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, they're out there, and apparently there's an audience because they're bringing it back, but who knows? We'll see how it turns out. I mean, wrestling is a, is a huge industry, and their games always are su- successful, and they're fun. I'm, I've never played a wrestling game I didn't enjoy, but that being said, I don't go out and seek them out every year. Oh, right. So, yeah, they used to... I mean, they're, they're fun. It is a blast making some crazy, crazy characters to have them fight, um, and that that's going on with they have face scanning, which hasn't. The last time I saw a game that had face scanning was, um, uh, uh, what the hell? The Rainbow Six uh, Vegas, where you could use the the Xbox camera to take a picture of your face and put your character in the game. Oh right. But but uh, 2K15 Wrestling and NBA both have face scanning. It's out now. Um, that you guys listening have to go find some of these pictures. We'll have some links in the show notes. But I don't, I don't think I've ever seen funnier, more horrifying stuff than I have in any of these <laughs> pictures. The the software is just mangling these people's features, and it was it, it very hilarious results. Does it ever um, do a good job, or are they all terrible? I I haven't seen one that was successful. There was um, the YouTuber JonTron. He released a Vine where. It got his face, but it it shifted all of his features to like the lower jaw of the character. So his eyes are where his upper lip should be. And I mean, it was I guess it was the most successful scan I've ever seen. But nobody's going to be sharing their like, oh, look how good this game 
scan me. They're gonna show the ones where their face is completely inverted, and there's a there's a hole in their forehead. <laughs> yeah, I've oh, only wow. seen a couple of them, but some of them are really really terrifying. Yeah, it's some funny stuff. We'll definitely have it in the show notes because everybody needs to be subjected to this horror. Um, so we're almost at the halfway, and I want to get this in. Um, the um, uh, Sakurai's response to the criticism in Smash Bros. And Josh, bring us through the Pokemon stuff uh, real quick. Right. So as far as the Sakurai comments, um, in regards to people who were complaining about uh, Dark Pit, Dr. Mario, and Lucina being pretty much straight clones of Mario, Pit, and Marth, um, he basically compared it... Well, I'll read the direct quote here. It says, uh, the clones are... Or in this case, the clones are like a free dessert after a a luxurious meal that was prepared free of charge. In a restaurant with this type of service, I don't think there's anyone who would say, change this to a meat dish. Yet, I'm told to do that about Smash Brothers, but I guess a lot of them are children. It cannot be helped. So Wow, that's pretty... <laughs> I totally that's... freaking agree with him, though. Like, if it's a matter, like, they've spent so much time putting these characters in and balancing them, and if it's a matter of, sure, you can have Dr. Mario, but he's going to have the same moves as regular Mario, or you cannot have Dr. Mario at all, take the freaking clone. Yeah, and it's like... Like, I don't... Like, like, it's either that, or I have to build him in the me creator, like... Right, because to my understanding, I think he was saying that all three of them were originally alternate costumes, so they would have been in regardless and not taken up, but like, a character slot... But basically, they separated them and gave them small differences, pretty much like the previous Smash games with, uh, you know, with the whole young Link in Melee and that kind of thing. Like, I guess my only issue with it isn't so much the clones. I mean, Dark Pit's my main, so I'm not really complaining about clones in and of themselves. But, I mean, and it's an issue also with Kamiya and his uh, Twitter, even though it's hilarious. But, I don't know, it just seems a little off-putting to me when developers will go out of their way to kind of just like put down people that are criticizing them because i mean you know in an industry where you're servicing millions of people you're not going to please everybody but to kind of stoop down to their level a little bit and start calling people children or telling people to fuck off like kamiya does i don't know it's just it turns me off a little bit it's like to me it would be better off to just either address it or ignore it but not kind of act like the trolls that you're complaining about i guess if that makes sense. <laughs> that is a fair point. It makes sense. That is true. Yeah, but I, I'm in the, the opposite camp. I think it's badass that he made that comment and responded because the, and I guess you're right. It is a vocal minority that are complaining about it, and you just ignore them in any of these situations. But the the video gaming consumers never really know what they want, and then a great way to to um, describe that is. There was like a like a 4chan story that floated around a few years ago that was like from the point of view of uh, Shigeru Miyamoto. And it, it was pretty much like, oh, I made Wind Waker. I made Wind Waker. Um, you guys hated it. You wanted a, a big mature game. So I made Twilight Princess. Then you hated it and wanted something like Wind Waker again. So I made Skyward Sword. And then you wanted something like Twilight Princess again. So, and that's, that was pretty much like spot on with the narrative is that everybody's like, they, they're so stuck with nostalgia goggles, mm-hmm. um, that it's really, I, I, you know, besides, you know, Phil Fish making his like really, really shitty vitriolic comments. I, it's, I don't know. I think it's refreshing in, in, in a industry where it's easy to have a narrative with the developers, like on Twitter or like 
you know, just social networking. It's, I don't know. I, I was happy with his quote. The only, I just think in it, and at this time it's, it's like, I, I'm getting annoyed with, I, I want Roy back. I want Mewtwo back. Why isn't Mewtwo back? If you were Sakurai and you were actually taking these, you know, comments seriously, like, oh, wait, give us Mewtwo. All right, Mewtwo's in. Give us Roy. All right. Uh, hey, guys, what if I add a green ninja? No, fuck that Pokemon. I want Mewtwo back in there. All right, so let me get straight. You want Dr. Mario. You want Mewtwo. You want Roy back. Nobody else. So you want Melee back. <laughs> so just go play Melee. I mean, that's all it is. Look, if you want Melee HD, that's something else. But the, the, the consumers aren't going to buy Melee again. That's only for that little competitive scene hardcore base but everybody else wants something new i don't mind the clone characters at all and and i like and there are subtle differences but that's fine it's nothing that it's gonna make me throw uh, a copy of the game out in the freeway and record it like some stupid youtuber did they bought (laughs) really they bought a copy of smash 4 for 3ds they says man this this game is garbage fuck this trash and he threw the game out the window in the freeway well that's fucking stupid wow. but they just do that, that for attention a, yeah i and mean then, his 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 point was made but his dollars still went to it so it's a lose lose for him oh and then it gets better because then people post like hey dumbass you just threw away your game you know if you're gonna throw a game away why don't you just give it to you know some kid who, or give it to somebody else who could actually play and enjoy it and then he was laughing saying like oh look at all these mad people and somebody wrote back well yeah we're mad but probably not as mad as somebody who would be upset at a game and throw it out in a fucking highway <laughs> not to that level yeah no that's re- that's but, stupid that's like those videos yeah. of people buying systems on launch date just to break them in front of everyone who is still in line. It, yeah, it's just. I mean, if people want attention, do be do something creative. I mean, it just goes to show that you know you have to break buy something and break it, and you think you're like pushing the envelope. Wow, that guy's insane. No, it's God. You're stupid. Yeah, I never, I never really got the whole like busting consoles or releases on release. Um, one funny thing that. Uh, Mega 64 always did uh, was like the past few Halo releases always there was always a Cabela's hunting game being released the same day so they had this reoccurring skit where they were the Cabela's developers uh, pissed at Bungie and they would go to GameStop or call GameStop and be like you need to postpone the Halo release and <laughs> you know put put that a week after and they would go in their costumes and you know wait in line and buy Cabela's while everyone was there for Halo and that was admittedly a lot you know, it's still a stupid skit, but it's admittedly a lot better than going and smashing a five six hundred dollar piece of equipment that some that the dude at the back of the line potentially is SOL. Right. And then one and one last thing about clones: the only clone I really have a problem with is Ganondorf still being Falcon, pretty much. But that's it. Hmm. All right. Well, duly noted. I will um, get Sakurai on the phone and let him know your complaint. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm sure he'll listen. <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, we still got a f- we still got a few more things on here. Um, I did want to talk um, about the EA access real quick, Derek. Um, uh, Plants vs Zombies Garden Warfare is coming to it. It is, which is a freaking fantastic game. It's probably the game I've actually put the most time in on my Xbox One. Um, the EA access is just an interesting thing in general because it's like it came out. Well, it it wasn't anything special when it came out, which was a number of months back. Uh, now but it was a 
it's like 30 bucks a year ea basically provides a bunch of discounts to 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 new titles you've got they often do like i think you had access to nhl 2015 like like a week before it came out for a little while or something like that yeah Um, yeah. and you get access to a bunch of ea titles for the duration of your subscription like at when it started it was like very like only a few like a couple sports games you got battlefield 4 and you've got uh, Need for Speed Rivals has been added in there since then, and now they're starting to add like you know better stuff like you know for instance Plants vs Zombies Garden Warfare, which is a fantastic title. But Sony, and it's oh, go ahead, sorry. Sony said you know EA Access was going to be open for both Xbox One and PlayStation users, and Sony said no because it wasn't a good value, which it's it's a service like it's a constantly evolving service even if it wasn't the greatest value at the beginning which like i probably would not have paid the 30 bucks at the beginning because i already own need for speed rivals and i don't have any interest in any of the other games that they were offering it is a constantly evolving service and now you know if i could get it on my ps4 i already own garden warfare for xbox one but most of my friends play on ps4 so if i could get that as part of the subscription that would be amazing but because yeah. Sony deemed it, now I can't. You know, now I can't have access to any of this stuff. Now, do you think when EI Access came out, was PlayStation Now even announced? And yes, you, it had c- been. So I think that's. I mean, that's you know obviously why they thought it was a poor service because they want to keep the money in their ecosystem. And are any EA games on PlayStation Now beta? As I'm I, looking at it right now, I don't think so. Hmm. Interesting. And those ones for sure wouldn't be because they are. They're not even doing. Like they're starting with PS2 and PS1 and PS3 titles, so the PS4 stuff wouldn't be is not going to be there for quite some time, as far as I've I've heard. Yeah, and I um I heard an interesting or read it I can't remember where I got the information from, but it was from somebody at Sony uh, that their pricing um is they have various pricing uh, tiers for all their stuff. Um, in, in this example, they have their PlayStation Plus as two separate pricing tiers. And their PlayStation Now has four separate pricing tiers, um, and it's vary for each game. And I was noticing it when I uh, um, and it it, it clicked with with, uh, with me last night. I was looking at my uh, what you could get on PS Plus, and a month of PS Plus is nine ninety nine, and three months of it is seventeen ninety nine. And looking at their entire pricing model for PlayStation Now, so like uh, Alpha Protocol on PlayStation Now. You get it for four hours for two ninety nine, but seven days for five ninety nine, and they're they're purposely trying to get people to go for that middle price point. And this is what this guy from PlayStation said: is they're they they know that the the lowest tier is a, a really shitty price, and it's you're not getting enough product for what it's worth. So they're purposely pushing people up into the next price range and. You know, it's eight eight dollars, six dollars for a game for seven days, is what you would expect if you were renting it um, at like a brick and mortar store or say uh, Redbox. So it's pretty. Yeah, that's totally. Pretty... I'm totally fine with that seven day pricing. Yeah, that four yeah. hour pricing or whatever is bullshit. But yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not something that only Sony does. Like if you look at, like your great. If you like like Xbox Live for instance, like in Canada, you're getting a three month subscription for twenty four ninety nine. Or you're getting a 12 month subscription for you know 50 50 bucks, like it's very much the same thing. Like I, you can get that other one. Like you know maybe you just don't have the money, or you just really want the the shorter subscription or the shorter time period. You can get it. They do offer it. They're not sticking you into a certain price. But nobody nobody in their right mind is gonna get 
the three month subscription and no one in their right mind is going to rent a game for four hours when it costs them an extra dollar or two dollars to get it for seven days yeah what do you um what do you guys think Juan and and Josh I I, I could see I could see the the appeal for a four hour game if you want to try it, but if you're gonna go get it on PlayStation now, you're gonna already be fairly sold. Yeah, on I it. was gonna say who would even. I mean, like you guys were saying, it's pretty much just to push people into the next tier and make it look like more of a value. But I mean, who would even want to rent a game for four hours, I, and especially at that price? I mean, you can't even really get much done depending on the game. But you know, at, you would get halfway through the tutorial. Yeah. <laughs> or if it's like I don't know if it's like God of War you'll be mostly done with it but I mean it's <laughs> but I guess it depends from game to game it would have right. to be some short indie game you know that you can like you said you could finish like in an hour or two but yeah that's pretty much it yeah I mean yeah I- and like some of the games that are on here uh, like the Back to the Future um, games from Telltale you can only get it for 90 days each episode is four dollars for 90 days so they have they have a weird pricing structure yeah i'm excited for the service in any case like like i was actually a big user of uh on live when it was uh kind of in its in its heyday um Mm -hmm. and it worked fairly fairly well and it's it's just an exciting way for you know to kind of like I, I kept my PS2. I don't have it anymore, but I still have my PS3 and, and and everything like that. But it's just a cool, easy, and you know, typically affordable way to be able to kind of play these old games again. Because stuff on, you know, if I want to play, you know, Silent Hill 2 now, like I own a physical copy. But if I wanted to pick one up, like that stuff gets expensive on eBay uh, or or Craigslist or whatever. And to be able to pay like the seven bucks and just be able to play it for a week, which is for most people probably long enough to play through it. Um, yeah. you know, I'm excited for that. And I'll, I'll be happy to see where, now that I'm a PlayStation owner, to see where it goes. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm pretty middle of the road. Like I, I, the individual don't really care, it, but it, it, there's, in any case, it's just another way to get access to your games, which is never a bad thing. Yeah. And then hopefully you could play it on your PlayStation TV, you know, fingers crossed. So, um, let's move into what we've been playing this past week. I um I want to touch on the vanishing of Ethan Carter super quick. Um, I beat it last night. Um, I full full disclosure, I did beat it with the aid of a walkthrough. And you son of um, a bitch. <laughs> I I, know, I feel really dirty, <laughs> but I wanted um I wanted to get it done for this podcast. And it's um it, first off, it's a beautiful game. It's in the Unreal Engine, and I've never seen the Unreal Engine this gorgeous and i'm pretty sure everything is completely pre-rendered but when i loaded the game up um you know i turned all the settings to max i had a pretty good pc and i walked out and saw the first skybox looking over this lake i literally my jaw dropped and i screamed for my girlfriend like come here look at this and the first words out of her mouth when she walked in the room was wow that's really beautiful and this is the a shining point for this game is that it's so pretty uh, and I think it, it's going on Steam for like twenty bucks. Yeah, I think not so. that yeah. not, not that expensive, and it is worth it for the the environment. When it was made by some of the old Epic Epic Games developers, wasn't it? Like some of the Bulletstorm people. Yeah, and everything like yeah. that. So it's got like really good developers behind it. And it's it's definitely not my game, 
uh, it's like Mist on steroids, or <laughs> Riven, or like those point-and-click games. You you play a supernatural paranormal detective, and you're coming to this town because this character, this character Ethan Carter, wrote you, and he said that, hey, I there's paranormal stuff going on. I've heard about you. Come and help us solve uh, what's going on. And there's the the story is kind of interwoven between stories that um, the character Ethan Carter wrote, and like and he wrote like sci-fi stories, and you would live this sci-fi story. Like in the very beginning, you have to chase a guy in an astronaut suit through this this field, and then you get abducted, and you're in space. And then when that that scene is over, there's a you find a note on the ground that's like his little short story that he wrote. And, you know, what he was dealing with, with his, his family being really mean to him. Like, he's got an older brother that, you know, would trash all of his stuff and make fun of his stories. And it's, at the very beginning of the game, it says, this is a super intense narrative game. It is not going to hold your hand. And when I, I played it, just as a cursory introduction before I wanted to sit down and cruise through it, and I... I got hooked. I was wandering around. I came upon this uh, murder scene, and you have to find like bits of pieces of uh, that uh, different objects that were involved in the murder. And then um, once you collected all of them, you could go into like this ghost realm and find these different scenes that led up to the murder. So in the the first murder, there was a a guy getting a weapon, and then a, the uh, altercation with the the, the victim and the guy and then like what happened and then you had to put them in the right order and then the scene would play out for you and this happened um, when you came to any dead person there was about f- two three or four dead bodies that you came across and but I played for you know about an hour and a half and I got stuck I just got stuck and I turned it off and went to bed well it turns out that the moment you get control of your character I missed the first puzzle it was right there like I was practically standing on it so this game is really, really going to to be a tough game. It's going to be like missed all over again. Um, there was a part in the mines where you have to solve a puzzle. And what really sucked is because my cursory introduction to it was I thought it was very much very PT, a first-person survival horror. So the whole game, I'm, I'm on fucking edge. I'm ready for shit to jump out at me. And there's, you know, stuff that, that made me jump and startle me, but it wasn't scary. It was just noises. And the atmosphere in this game is amazing. The music will crossfade in real, real gently, or when you're getting to a puzzle, it'll just cut real sharp, and then you'll notice that the music's gone. Um, and the, the storytelling, the story's kind of, eh, it's okay. I mean, it was a fun story playing through it. You probably wouldn't play through it again because it's, uh, you know, like Mist. You wouldn't play, I don't know. I, I didn't play through Mist more than once. Uh, and, and then the story ended up being just okay. There was a there was some cool stuff in it, but I would I I would get it purely for the graphics and I- enjoying the the atmosphere because it was so incredibly atmospheric. My biggest complaint though is that I finally got used to the fact that oh, there's going to be no jump scares. There's no spooky monsters coming out at me, and I'm doing this puzzle, <laughs> and all of a sudden I the the only fucking time there's another person in the game I'm like. Oh, is that a person? And the person dematerialized, materialized in front of me. It was this like undead, spooky guy, and he then threw me at the beginning of the puzzle and scared the shit out of me. I, I jumped out of my chair. My headphones went forward. It was like four in the morning. 
pitch black and I finally got the, the heebie-jeebies because the game was really atmospheric. I was in this dark mine and I, I was so pissed, so fucking pissed, but I crushed through it, finished it. I think everybody should give it a try and, and give it a play because um, it's, it's worth it for the atmosphere and the, the, the play mechanics are pretty cool too. So. so is it one of the better games you've played this year then? Uh, definitely. I wouldn't say it would be in like my top top 10 top five but it's um if i had to put my gaming uh, catalog into a better or okay or worse category i would say it's better it was i enjoyed every minute of it i do feel like i cheated myself a little bit by going through the guide because i probably put a total of three hours total playing it with the guide but you could easily like the area where where you're in the mine trying to solve a puzzle you have, to, you have to find a code. And then there's a side puzzle where there's like rooms that are like shifting around from like one house to the other. And it's definitely get out a notebook, start taking notes, oh, wow. um, draw some pictures. And it, it's it's a big callback to the old point click game. So if you played Myst or Riven or like any of the Journeyman series where, you know, you're solving some pretty tough puzzles, you're going to love this. And it's you're not on a track. You're completely free roaming. So you'd be walking around and you're like, oh, I want to go over there. And you'll eventually get to that that location. Um, and what's what's interesting is at the end of the game, at the very, very end, you see a, a drawing of the the world, like the, the world that you can have access to. And it points out all the puzzles that you're presented with. So if you miss a puzzle, you can't air quote finish the game. And then you're like, OK, I need to go back there, find the puzzle. And then solve it until you can get like the the actual ending ending. So I, I would suggest everybody pick it up. It was it was amazing. So what you're saying then is uh, I should regret sending you this review code. Yes, <laughs> yes, uh, you definitely should because um, it sounds, I, sounds pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, I would grab it. I would grab it, and I know that like Josh, you need to find a friend with a really good PC and then put it on his machine. Oh, no, and Megan play it. has a really good gaming PC. I'm just not allowed to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well, that's that's that. Um in the vein of I guess first person spooky games, Alien Isolation came out. Um I missed the boat on it. Didn't really and I know Derek has the same opinion that Colonial Marines kind of screwed a lot of people over, so I I missed it, but has anybody been been playing it? Has I, has... I picked it up? I picked. Oh, you did pick it up. I did pick it up. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, you know, and it's it's very much. I haven't played an alien game in years. I like. I remember there. I remember playing a few good ones way back in the day. But you know, it's been a, it's been a number of years since I've even watched the movies, which I'm now planning on doing again uh, with Haley because she hasn't seen them. But you know, this game, I I I saw. You know, I I got invites to things at E3 and at Comic Con. You know, like go sit in the egg and play with Oculus Rift and stuff, which I regrettably missed. Um, but that was the day you were hungover, right? Uh, I don't want to talk about that. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll never forgive you for that. But uh, that's a different hey, podcast. I didn't put a drink in your mouth and put a gun in your head. I think that you might drink. have. I don't remember, <laughs> but you might. I don't think that was a gun. Um, so in any case, I so think you actually reviews, tweeted that. <laughs> he tweeted a photo with a gun. It was like, hashtag gun at my head. <laughs> uh, so these reviews start coming out for this game, and they're like, 
like a lot of these reviews start saying like this is the best like like big budget survival horror game that I've played in years is what they're saying and I'm a like we meant like we talked about last week I'm a big survival horror fan and it's been something that's really been kind of indie only for the last few years in terms of like horror games that are actually worth playing um so I, I started actually watching, you know, watch. I watched a couple of like let's plays and just to kind of see what the atmosphere and stuff was like. And then I'm immediately just like, holy crap, I have to pick up this game. So, you know, I went out to uh, EB Games because um, they were the only place that actually had stock left of the game, and I picked up a copy. And it's 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 pretty unreal so far. I've played it. I've put probably about three, th- two to three hours in so far because I just picked it up a couple days ago. Um, atmosphere is absolutely incredible it's a really it's got a really like slow burn opening which i am actually a big fan of you're basically the plot is you it's set something like 15 years after the disappearance of the nostromo um you actually play as amanda ripley you're ellen ripley's daughter in the film who she she goes to she gets on a ship uh she's going to actually retrieve the black box from the Nostromo which had just been found um it's on this other ship called the Sevastopol or something like that sounds sounds very Russian but um it's kind of this old ship it's actually about to be decommissioned so it's all kind of dilapidated and and there's not a lot of there haven't been a lot of people around because they're slowly shutting the ship down um but they you know obviously something goes wrong uh you're stuck on the ship trying Has has anything ever gone right in an alien movie no no it hasn't um it's like the uh the ripley's are cursed or something like that but uh so you're stuck on this ship you're basically basically your objective at the beginning is like make contact with the ship that you were like we're docking with um and then it shit starts to happen like you've got the you've got the working joe androids that start to go bad and then like i've literally just had my first encounter with the xenomorph and it's freaky as shit like this it's a very diff it's very different alien experience because in a lot of the previous ones like your big marines and you got guns or whatever and you can just shoot them down um there's only one alien in the game and you can't kill it like you literally have to try to avoid it if he sees you and can get to you before you get like get in a get into a vent or anything like that like you're dead and you have to restart at the last save it, it doesn't have a checkpoint system it's got save like old school save points um, like the typewriters and resident evil kind of stuff yes yeah like you have to get to a save point to be able to save you don't just like you know you're not getting a checkpoint every 30 seconds so there's no real like risk in doing anything like i've lost like 20 minutes of progress at a time because you know i i missed a save point and then i had to go back like an entire one but the atmosphere is great like you i i really got like a system shock to bioshock feel in the first bit of it because you know the people that were living on this ship before the alien came and shit went down the people were not happy because their home was being decommissioned their jobs were being lost so you've got the spray paint all over the walls and and you know the lights are all broken so it's just very very it's it's got that like kind of dystopian kind of wrecked city um feel like you definitely get in in the bioshock games um, which I love. That's it's one of my favorite series. So uh, the f- the sound's phenomenal. I actually just picked up uh, <clears throat> Future Shop, which is like Canadian Best Buy. Just had a great sale on the PlayStation Gold wireless headset. I've never actually played a game with a headset before. Um, so I picked up this headset, which has like the virtual surround sound and everything like that. It makes such a huge difference. Really? Like I like it, the the game's pretty terrifying. 
I, I, but the sound, the like, like going from the sound coming from my speakers to being actually like in my ears and surrounding me, like ups the intensity of the game by a lot. Like I am jumping, jumpy as shit when I got the headset on, whereas it might not affect me even that much when I'm just listening to the TV speakers. It's, it makes a huge difference. And, um, I would definitely recommend the game. Again, I'm just getting into like the alien portion. Biggest complaint with reviews is they say the game's a little bit long. Um, it runs about 15 to 20 hours, depending on how you play. And they're saying that it could be it could be called back a bit. You're doing a little bit too much backtracking and stuff like that, which I obviously haven't ex- experienced yet. But they basically say like, whenever the alien is around, you're on the edge of your seat because it's like you you know you're trying to get to the next to the next save point because you if you die, you're you're fucked. And it and oh uh, finish up it, I, it, I gotta it, add it to uses that. some really good it uses really good like depth of field effects and stuff as well which is cool you have like a motion tracker which is pretty much ripped straight from the film um, and that's kind of how you see if the alien has has come out of a vent around you or anything like that but you got to be careful because if you get to, if he gets too close while you're using the motion tracker that he can actually hear the motion tracker and everything like that it's it's pretty freaking cool and it's. Uh, yeah, like, it's definitely one of the most atmospheric games I've played, like, probably since Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, and that's, that's what I've heard, too. One really cool thing is that the Xbox version, um, the Kinect will read your heart rate, because they can, you know, read your body temperature, and it will watch and listen. The, the, yeah, the PlayStation you... 1 does that, too. I should have mentioned that. Yeah, if you, because if you have the PlayStation camera, which is a, it's this is a horrible freaking thing. So there's a setting, you can turn it on or off, but there's a setting to basically it'll have your mic on and if there's any loud noises in the room it may or may not alert the enemies so if someone like walks in your room and like yells like the alien's gonna fucking come eat you and that's horrible why would i want that that's that's terrifying (laughs) i i i think that's that's amazing next step in game oh it's very cool it's like a definitely like a fourth wall breaking thing yeah and that's and that's what uh one thing i love is games messing with um, the player outside of the game. That's why um, I think uh, Silent Hills is going to be amazing. Definitely. There was that, in the demo, there's a part where it crashes and you start oh, over. It's, and you're like, yeah, oh, it's very cool. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I, I'm waiting for one of my friends to get an Xbox One so I can run in and just go, Xbox, off, yes, right in the middle of them playing. And if anybody's listening to this, I probably turned somebody's Xbox <laughs> off just now. <laughs> so that's that's fun um yeah um i don't know I'm, i might pick it up and check it out but i i never been a huge alien fan and you know it seems way too spooky for me it's it's pretty too too spooky for you huh yeah too spooky <laughs> it uh it's very spooky and and again i haven't i i remember being a i was a big alien fan when i was a kid but it's not something that i've actively thought about in a number of years and it's just a it's just a great game and 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 it is something that it really does make the the you know the alien has sort of become a joke in it's you know in its last film not being uh overly stellar and in the fact that in like the alien versus predator films which are pieces of crap they're you know they're essentially just animals that the predators hunt or whatever so it's kind of yeah it's become something that really is not meant to be feared but it it definitely makes the alien terrifying again because you are you, it's kind of it's it's kind you're absolutely it's kind of a punchline it's it's become a punchline and this very much gives you the opposite feel like you are absolutely positively helpless against it like your best your your your, the best thing that you can do is hide and hope it goes away without seeing you because if it does you're fucked 
Yeah, and that's why I don't think I want to play it. <laughs> um, let's, it is not. Let's go through... It is not as scary as PT by a long shot. Oh. All right. Well, I'm really hyped for PT, but we'll we'll see. Um, let's just cruise through our list real quick because we're slightly over. Uh, Drive Club, the PS version, PS Plus is still not out. No, and um, apparently the retail game's fucked now too. Oh yeah, like the servers uh, just having major, major server issues. Like, like to the point where, like, I know I saw Polygon today actually said that they're going to consistently update the review for score for the game because of the fact that it's not working right now. So they actually lowered their score because you know there's nothing that you can do because the servers still are not working correctly. Mm, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the the game. I don't know. That's that seems like a really like clickbait kind of approach to it. Um, you know, oh, our 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 score is going to fluctuate until it's playable. I mean, it's. But I mean, I the game came out a week ago, and you still most people still can't get online. Like, sure, it's sure, like SimCity. It's, it's like SimCity Four all over again. Yeah, pretty much. Except except Drive Club's better, probably. <laughs> yeah. So we can we can talk about that more. I'm I'm hyped for it. Um, I'm gonna try to snag it when it comes out. We should out talk free. about it every week until it comes out. Okay. All right. That's it. That's that's our our new um, host presenter mission objective is talk about Drive Club. Um, let's uh, go through the um, last thing real quick. Juan, is there anything new you've been playing the past week, or anything that um, you're kind of hype about that you want to get into? Um, me and the wife just finished Hyrule Warriors, and uh, I, I gotta admit, I really enjoyed the production value on that. Um, but my next big purchase is Bayonetta 2. I am really psyched about that game. I've been waiting such a long time for it. Um, I can't wait. It's it's on my list. It's getting such good reception too, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and it's well deserved. Yeah, it, it, platinum it's, it's games well and deserved Bayonetta too. Has always well been really deserved. Good. Oh no, I was just saying, and it's well. It seems well deserved because Platinum Games have always been really solid, and then the first Bayonetta was fantastic. So. I'm just ridiculously hyped after seeing all the reception coming out. Well, especially yeah. the fact that it freaking comes with the first Bayonetta again is awesome. For the same price of a regular game, so sixty bucks, you get both Bayonetta games with and all the bonus costumes too, I, and all the, all the extra costumes. Yeah, and you yeah. get all the extra costumes and everything. So, yeah, I uh, I don't have a Wii U yet, but I think that's definitely a a, a first day pickup. Um, Josh, is there anything you've been playing that you know we haven't touched on? Uh, I know you have Skylanders in here. Um, do you want to talk about oh, that real yeah, quick? Yeah, I've been playing a lot of both Disney Infinity 2 and Skylanders Trap Team. And uh, so far, they've both been pretty good. I mean, Skylanders, I feel like, is a bit of a step back. It's really glitchy and doesn't really improve any on Swap, on, uh, swap Force, which I think is partially because Vicarious Visions developed Swap Force, whereas they went back to the developers of the first game, I believe, for trap team so it's better than the first two skylanders but it feels like it's a step backwards compared to the previous one but i haven't dived too much into it yet so we'll have to see how how it plays as it continues through but um as far as disney infinity i've as far as the single player content i've had a ton of fun with it i haven't really dived into the toy box yet but the avengers set is a pretty big city especially when you consider that it's kind of like a game with multiple hats where it tries to serve a ton of different purposes so i mean the open world all the different characters are a lot of fun to play as um the extra ones that you can buy separately not as much i mean the guardians of the galaxy set's really fun but it's i finished it in like three hours whereas the avengers one i'm still not done with and i've probably clocked in about six or seven 
and then the Spider-Man one. I haven't oh, really? finished that yet, but it's kind of just more of the same as far as the Avengers with an open world city, whereas the um, Guardians of the Galaxy one is more of a action platformer. So, I mean, Spider-Man kind of feels like a retread, but that's the one I've played the least of, so I'm definitely intending to get back to that. But, I mean, so far between the two, I would probably say that I'm enjoying Infinity a little bit more, but not as but I'm not enjoying either one as much as I enjoyed Swap Force from last year's last year's Skylanders. So, I mean, and you you are like the resident like collectible toy game guy on Geekscape. Um what what's the big appeal? Are the games themselves enjoyable? Um or is is it purely just like got to catch them all, got to have I all mean, the toys? I mean, it's a mix. Like with Skylanders, that was more Megan's thing and I kind of got dragged into it obviously. So we both kind of agreed that the first Skylanders game was an interesting concept, but the game itself wasn't that good. It was just a really repetitive dungeon crawler. Um, Giants, the next one, Giants really didn't do anything to change it. But uh, Swap Force was the one that finally turned it into a game that felt like a proper platformer, which had a lot of variety. And uh, whereas this one feels like it's taking a bit of a step back, like I said. Oh, one thing that I just remembered too is um, one of the things in the way that they keep getting your money is like each Skylander, there's like so many different elements that each Skylander is a part of. And each one, like each element can only open certain doors, which basically makes it so you have to buy at least one of each type so you can access the full oh, game. Right. But the new one has these new characters called Trap Masters, which are smaller than giants, but they're bigger than all the other ones. And now the gates in the new game can only be opened by trap masters of each type. So it's like you can still play with the old ones, but they don't really open anything. They're kind of just useless now. Oh, that's bummer. That's yeah, so really it's pretty shitty. much like if you want to access the full game, you have to buy one of each new type, and all the old ones are just there for essentially extra lives. Um, on, and on top of that, there's mm -hmm. apparently two new elements that aren't even revealed yet that you can't access through the game at all, even if you buy everything that's out. And they're supposed to come out with those either at the end of this year or early next year. So it's like on-disc DLC. Yeah, that's pretty much all that all both games are on-disc DLC, essentially. But you, your DLC comes with like a cool little toy to collect. But I mean, Disney mm, Infinity, okay. I felt like the single-player content in both games were better than Skylanders as a whole. Because it was more of a variety. Like, each set was a different type of game. But it was really, it was really buggy. And like I said, Swap Force is the third Skylanders game is probably better than all of them. But overall, I'm enjoying fin Infinity more than Skylanders. All right. Well, uh, we're waiting your report for next week uh, when you get more into it, because I'm really intrigued with what these games um, are. And I think it's brilliant on both those those games for money. Um, but we are over. Um, so let's go through our uh, mission objectives from last week. Um, uh, listener submissions. Uh, last week we said, what is your gaming guilty pleasure? Um, we got a few submissions that were uh, of note. Um, Raymond S. sent in um, his gaming guilty pleasure was Dragon Quest, Kobe's Adventure. And basically it's um, like a Pokemon style game set in the Dragon Warrior universe. Um, and he said... I pretty much played the shit out of it over and over. Um, it had these magic keys at the end of the game that would generate random worlds with the sole purpose to find another magic key. More or less an infinite grind loop. 
I don't know why I liked it so much. Probably because one white fire from my Mr. Slimy wiped the other team. I felt like a god. Um, so that's that's definitely a game I w- would never think would be someone's guilty pleasure. We got a lot of Call of Duties. Um, I guess a lot of people are embarrassed to be playing Call of Duty. Um, Rhett M on um, a Facebook gamers group said Call of Duty Ghost. Same with uh, Dylan T. They um, they don't know why they play it on the console, but it's just something that they got to sit down and go through, um, which is, you know, I can see how it's kind of like the black sheep of the, the gaming world. Um, so, yeah, any thoughts on, on those? Has anybody played the Dragon Warriors game? That one's not Dragon Quest Monsters, is it? Like that, how it was ported over here, or is that something different? Um, what I found out is they ported it to, uh, the 3DS and the PlayStation as Dragon's Quest Monsters. Oh, right. So they, they, they changed the name when they okay, brought it Okay, yeah, here. I remember that game coming out, but I never played it myself, but I figure I already sink hundreds of hours into Pokemon, and I didn't need another Pokemon-type game to eat my life away, so. <laughs> but, I mean, it always looked pretty good. Yeah, I definitely want to talk to you about oh, yeah, Pokemon definitely. next week. And uh, the funniest one we got was from Sam S. Uh, he said, Destiny. I hate every minute of it, and it stresses me the fuck out, but like a crack addict, I just can't get enough. <laughs> so um, our um, uh, mission objective this week um, is, if you contracted Ebola, what would your very last game you would want to play be? Uh, Derek, you go first. Um, for So for me, I think that as we've established already, I'm a big horror fan, and uh, I was, you know, Silent Hill is my favorite series of all time, and it, it remains that, even though the last number of games have been absolutely awful. Um, I've still played them. I'm, I, I, I can see Silent Hill Book of Memories for the PlayStation Vita from where I'm sitting right now. Um, so my final game, and it actually fits kind of with the theme, because... Uh, of course, Hideo Kojima said that they were aiming for a game that would make you crap yourself. Um, it would fit with your disease. It would so. fit with my disease. So my game, my final game before I passed on from Ebola would be the new Silent Hills. And I would probably crap my pants just like Kojima wants me to. So <laughs> Okay. Um, and nobody would blame you for it. Um, Juan, what would your last game on Earth be? Uh-oh. Did we lose one? I think we might have. Oh, no. I think we might have. Okay. Well, we'll... Yeah. Yeah, he just logged out. So, all right. Well, uh, Josh, then, what would your last game on Earth um, be? I was thinking about it quite a bit, um, and I think I have to go with the safe answer and just probably pick my favorite game, which is Kid Icarus Uprising. Um, that's just... I don't know what it is. It's just the writing, the presentation, the adjustable challenge, the countless collectibles and the online which i thought was all phenomenal like to me that's like the closest i mean you know control i never had an issue with the controls i know some people did but um to me that's the closest that i've ever played to a perfect game and it's something that i've really it's like it's a 15 hour act third person shooter and i've somehow sunk in i think my playtime is at like 110 hours on it and i still haven't found everything it's just such a huge wow it's just such a huge game that has a ridiculous amount of replay value, and it never feels like you're replay you're trudging through the same levels over and over again. There's like always a new way to approach the stages. Um, all there's 
different dialogue that changes depending on what equipment you're using in the same stages. I mean, there's always just something to keep it fresh. And I mean, a third person shooter where 120 hours later and I still haven't seen everything into it. I mean, that's something that I would definitely want to yeah, keep that's, on. That's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. Um, and, uh, oh, let's see if we can add one real quick. Uh, uh, do, do, do. Let me just hang up on him. The joys and tribulations of early podcasting. And now we could talk crap about him Let's before you see. get him back on. Uh, oh, he called him busy. So if we can get him in, um, I will... Uh, uh, let me just go through mine. I, I thought long and hard about this. Uh, my knee-jerk reaction was probably uh, going to be um, Counter-Strike. I was like, man, if I had to play one game, probably my favorite game, one of the Counter-Strikes. But then I thought about it. Um, you're probably going to be in a lot of misery and you don't want to be stressed out. Um, and Counter-Strike can be a severely stressful game where you're just, you know, yelling at the screen, yelling at um, contacts and, it, you know, you're just stressed out. But the game that I wanted to play um, is actually a game that I haven't played completely. I've only played a couple of levels myself. And that has to be Journey. I think Ooh. Journey would be an amazingly peaceful way to go out. The The atmosphere is gorgeous. The music is gorgeous. Everything is is just peaceful. And at the end of it, I feel like just playing a couple of levels, I felt like I got that uplifted, like, ah, oh, really good feeling. So if I had to play one game left on Earth, it would have to be Journey. And yeah. Uh, Juan, are you, back on, uh, are you back online? I'm back online. Okay, all right. Well, we lost you for a minute. So... We all went through our last game. What would your last game on Earth be? Oh, because uh, if this is uh, out of what am, am I dying or am I being killed yeah, off? Yeah, the dying of Ebola. Uh, trauma center. <laughs> <laughs> that way I could have thought, yeah, this is how it should have been done. Well, it's too late now. <laughs> yeah, get that healing touch and try to save yourself at the last second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that put a genuine smile on my face. <laughs> I love trauma all right. center. Like, why right. isn't there any more? Um, not enough, not enough diseases. We got to go out there and make more diseases. They already diseases. had a spider on the heart. I don't know what else they could come up with at that point. <laughs> All right, everybody, that's been level two of the Geekscape Games podcast. Uh, send in your um, mission objective answers. If you contracted Ebola, what would your last game be? Um, as always, you can find us all on Geekscape.net. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Shane O'Hare. Derek, uh, I am at D Cranavelt. Again, good luck spelling that. Uh, I'm Josh. at Inu Joshua. All right, and one, the I one am, and only. <laughs> I am at the King of Mars. Right on. All right, everybody, it's been a pleasure. Uh, please uh, comment, subscribe, share with your friends. We're trying to grow and get better uh, and work out all these bugs. But um, it's been great having you. See you next week. Thank See you. Ya. Adiós.